Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like Hey, good morning. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. If you missed hour one, whoo, yeah, you definitely want to go get go get it. We had a, a robust uh, interchange with listeners via the text line on the president's. Um, I'm going to call it a proposal at this point to uh, eliminate student debt, um, or at least partially eliminate it for um, some 40 million Americans. Robust conversation um, among listeners about that. Um, we also had a great conversation with author Jerry Jenkins, which you are going to want to hear as well. This hour, we're going to uh, talk with Peter Kapsner, and then we're going to talk with author Jeannie Stevens about what's here now. So that's what's coming up. Um, let me lead off with this. Um, I, I just, I'm just going to say, I don't think that trying to judge what's in another person's heart um, is like good political ground to be standing on. In fact, I think that judging what's in another person's heart is pretty dangerous ground. And so Charlie Crist, whom you may not be familiar with, but he is now the Democrat candidate for governor in the state of Florida following Tuesday's primary. Um, he uh, he thought he'd lead off um, after after winning that. He thought he'd you know lead off by characterizing um, DeSantis voters um, as people who have hate in their heart. So in his uh, first press conference, um, he said this, those who support the governor, that would be um, Ron DeSantis, those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. So, um, He added later in his comments that he only wants the vote of those who, quote, care about the state. He wants, quote, good Democrats, good independents and good Republicans. He then characterized uh, President Biden as good and expects the president to come and campaign in Florida on his behalf because and here's a quote, he's a good man. Um, So Charlie Crist is characterizing uh, Ron DeSantis and the people who voted for Ron DeSantis as not good. And so, and specifically talked again about um, the hate in their hearts. And so I guess, um, you know, if I were going to engage in a conversation today um, about this, I would want to ask someone to define the, the term good, what makes a person good and how do we judge goodness? And then, um, The question of what's in another person's heart, how are you judging what is in another person's heart? Um, Here I'm thinking about 1 Samuel 16, 7, which reads, The Lord said to Samuel, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
I'm also reminded here of Jesus's words in Matthew 15, 18, that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, throughout the Proverbs, Solomon offers wisdom about guarding our words. And James, the brother of Jesus, in his letter, his New Testament letter, offers counsel about the need to control our tongue. Um, what comes out of our mouths is evidence of what's in our heart. And maybe that's what Charlie Crist is pointing to. Maybe he is pointing to the kinds of things that have come out of people's mouths, and by that he is judging their hearts. But I'm not sure that you can um, overlay that on every person who voted for the sitting governor of Florida. Like, right? Are they all haters? Do they all have hate in their heart? How could you judge that? When people are looking at us, will they know we are Christians by our love? by the words that come out of our mouths and by the actions manifested in our lives. I think we have to be very careful about judging the hearts of others. I also think we have to guard against saying things that suggest we know what's in the heart of another person. And I think we need to guard our own tongues. That others might know we are Christians by our love, that which comes out of our mouths and that which is shown forth in the deeds of our lives. So in the spirit and in the words of Jesus, let those who have ears hear. Dr. Peter Kapsner is going to join us next. Um, we're going to talk about whether or not I am coming off as passive aggressive in all of my written communications because I like to include things in emails like thanks in advance. To say thanks in advance, is that passive aggressive? We're going to find out next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Peter Kapsner is here in the house, and we are glad to be talking with him this morning. He's headed off to class right after this. But first of all, he's going to evaluate if the things that I am including in my emails make me sound passive aggressive. <laughs> they do all the time, Carmen. Like, I'm glad you bring it up. It's a little awkward to do it on air in front of, you know, all of our tens of thousands of listeners. But I've been wanting to confront you on your passive aggressive ways, you know, with with your emails like thanks in advance. And as per our previous conversation, like I, I can, you know, I can read through the lines, Carmen. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, per and as per, these are apparently really problematic because they seem to come up a lot. So per our last conversation or as per my last email or as discussed or as promised. Right. Will do. Thanks in advance. Circling back. Friendly reminder. Noted. Please advise. All of these are apparently passive aggressive. First of all, what does it mean to be passive aggressive? Like, yeah. let's start there. Yeah, that's a great. Uh, and, and I am wildly familiar with passive aggressive life here, uh, having grown up in in the north uh, northern part of our country, because we're known up here for for having things that we really think and care about on the inside. But we don't want to say them out loud. I mean, it's it's always fun for me when somebody from the East Coast, for example, uh, comes to visit to because they basically say what they they mean. And it's super brash. And it's kind of a right out in the open, and it can seem off-putting at first, except that it's not off-putting to them. They just simply say what they mean. But passive-aggressive is that you really want to influence the outcome of something. You really have something that you want to say to somebody. You're really upset about something, but you sort of couch it 
in language that sounds pleasant and sounds friendly and sounds nice and sounds like, oh, we're just engaging in our relationship here. But really, you're pretty upset. So you're aggressive, but in a very, very passive way. <laughs> hmm. So I think in the South, um, uh, when we would use a turn of phrase like bless his heart or bless, bless her heart. That's yes, right. We would, that would be a Southern version of an extremely passive aggressive <laughs> way of talking about something. Um, let's just talk about uh, the need for Christians to say plainly what we mean and mm-hmm. also to um, not not assume the worst of the person who is sending us an email, like offering like grace in advance. If you send me a one word response to something, maybe I should grant you the grace that you're super busy and there's other things going on in your life. Um, and you've actually supplied what I need, which is the one word answer. And I don't really need a lot of pretty fluff around it. Yeah, I think that's spot on, Carmen. I th- I think we understandably, don't we? we? We walk around with a pretty suspicious attitude towards other people in life. And, and I think, you know, we've been so wounded and so hurt in so many different ways. Uh, there isn't a person on the face of the earth that hasn't experienced some measure of pain and suffering in this world. And sometimes it's it's profoundly relational. Sometimes it could even be physical. Sometimes it could just be a, emotional or failure. And so I think it, I talk often in classes with my young people is when did you go from a heart of openness and a heart of, of vulnerability and a heart of transparency to maybe a heart that is guarded and suspicious? And it's not because it's understandable because pain does that to us. It's not because you're a bad person. You just have become somewhat suspicious. And I, and I think Christians can model a different way of life where it, this is going to sound, oh, you know how much I don't like Christian cliches, but I'm, I'm going to go there anyway, is I think if if you trust God for your well-being and not the circumstances and the people around you for your well-being, I mean, you, we want to have healthy, good relationships. But if you're anchored in wholeness or uh, a sense of who you are, you don't have deficit, you don't have need, you're truly anchored in who God is and who you are in your relationship with God, you can begin the process of slowly opening your heart to other people in a non-suspicious kind of way, not because they're not going to hurt you, because they will. It's going to be part of the journey uh, on this whole life. But but when you're whole uh, it, within God's hands, you can, like God does, actually take the pain of people hurting you or wounding you, um, and, and you can begin to deal with it. And so I think Christians need to be the kind of people who both say what they mean in in a wise and gentle and thoughtful way, but also are willing to be open to other people uh, and simply not just always be suspicious of everything. I mean, I'm sure you know people that are suspicious about everybody else in their life, and it's just it. Even you can kind of see it on their countenance, can't you? They just mm-hmm. there's their expressions on their face just match the suspicion of the heart, and that just gets hard to be around as opposed to, to some of the joyful people we know. Yeah, I'm thinking here um, about Ezekiel 36, 26, and I'm thinking about the question that I would want to ask out of, you know, out of the way you just ask it. And I would want to say, hey, when did you trade your heart of flesh for a heart of stone? Yeah, great one. Um, and and maybe are, you know, are you ready for God to give you a new heart, a new spirit um, to to remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give and give you a heart of flesh? And yeah, does that mean we might be wounded in the future? Yes, but it also provides the the possibility of real substantially healed relationships so the 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 way we were designed to relate hey peter we got to um we got to take a very brief break when we come back will you talk with us about the scourge of pornography mm-hmm. and what it's doing to our relationships yeah, it's a great conversation and an incredible thing that came out of an actor from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And I just thought it was a beautiful way to maybe find some healing and hope in it. So great conversation. All right. That's up next. Your Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. 
As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Wow, thanks for your um, continued engagement on the text line on the debt conversation, student debt conversation. Um, Super helpful. Uh, Peter, in relationship to our last conversation um, about being passive aggressive, somebody just texted in Minnesota nice. There it is. There it is. (laughs) Minnesota sometimes nice, I would call it. Uh, So, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, All right. So um, tell us about Terry Cruz. Yeah. I'll just con- confess to you, I-, I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with him, but this piece in Faithwire about, um, about his struggle with pornography and this very open, um, 90 day sex fast that he entered into with his wife and now has been so public about, I'm telling you, it's a pretty incredible testimony. It really is. So he, he gained some fame as a result of his career on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, a show that I've never really watched, but it sure seems like a lot of people have watched and that show and have kind of gone through all the seasons. He's now the MC or the host for America's Got Talent uh, and has been in that role. So he's, he's pretty prominent and he really, he became a believer and he did, as you said, he became very public with the struggles that uh, he has had with pornography. He first saw it at the age of nine and he called it just abusive. And, and it, and it is, I mean, Cameron, you just think about how open and lovely the heart of young children can tend to be uh, before they mm-hmm. get wounded. And sometimes those woundings happen way too early in life. But I was with a young boy, actually he was a teenager, and he just hadn't really been wounded so heavily. And he was so excited to just show me his, uh, I don't know, 2,000 dot-to-dot uh, pictures that he was doing. And, and, and he just, he couldn't believe it. Or my 12-year-old son is showing me card tricks yesterday and just just crushing me. I have no idea how he's finding my card at the end of the day. And his heart and is so open and there's such light in his eyes. Well, when you see something as unbelievably abusive as pornography is within the context of such an open heart, um, it really, it, it does such significant damage um, on so many different levels. And we don't have enough time this morning to talk about all those places of damage, but clearly it damaged Terry Cruz's life uh, as a young boy all the way through and up to his marriage, which becomes the common theme because what pornography does is it teaches us to desire sex and it teaches us simultaneously um, to, to speak, where we become hardened to the idea of relationship and love. And so, so many relationships uh, that really faithful men and women are in, in terms of their married relationship and believers as well. Uh, it's as common, sometimes even more common in that scenario where the husband actually desires sex and doesn't know how to have any kind of vulnerability or relationship with his wife. And he ends up then using his wife for the act of sex that his heart has been so invaded by uh, through repeated engagement or pornography. And these are really hard and really painful topics, Carmen. It's why as a church, 
we have to talk about this much more so than we do because it, it wreaks havoc on most relationships when one person is desiring sex and you become the object of that sex when it should be about the beautiful, vulnerable, intimate relationship and and love and growth and vulnerability and, and all of what sexual union is supposed to be that is unique to those two people. And so when Terry opened up about this, he and his wife went on a 90-day sex fast where they just did not enter into sexual union with uh, each other for those 90 days. And and he also obviously was avoiding pornography in this time. And he talked about the impact that that 90-day fast had in order to be able to create space for some of the healing of the heart that is so required um, when you've maybe engaged in pornography. And even if you haven't uh, engage in pornography for many years, your heart still probably believes um, that this whole thing is about sex as opposed to uh, intimacy and relationship, and it gets really confused. And he just gave himself the space over 90 days, and his wife gave him the space, and they worked through it together. And some of the testimony at the end of it was just beautiful, the transformation of the heart. He said, I felt like I was 12 years old again. And and he began to understand how to enter into the beautiful vulnerability of a naked and unashamed life with his wife, where it was just now the two of them in the room together. It wasn't him and all of these people that he had seen do sex acts and pornography in the room. It was just simply him and his wife. And and this is the kind of conversation that if we want to not just bring healing to the church, and we have to, I mean, my word, I'm, I'm going to be teaching sexuality here for the first time this semester in about four hours. And I guarantee you, everyone in that 30-student room that are the best and brightest of our evangelical kids, every one of them will have been impacted by pornography uh, and that. And so it's we're talking tens of millions of people in the church are suffering through all of this hurt and wounding. They don't have a place to turn, nor do they have reliable ways to find healing and hope in it. And if we're ever going to shine the light of beautiful sexuality in this world— I've been saying this for a while. You know this. We've got to get our own house in order for, uh, for that before we even have anything to say about what's going on in the world around us or we have no credibility. So I really recommend reading this Terry Crews story. It's not the one silver bullet that's going to fix everything, but it may cause some conversations to open about how we can actually go from a heart that has become sort of addicted or trained for sex and actually begin to walk instead into what sex represents, which is the beautiful, vulnerable relationship between men and women through whom further beloved image bearers are birthed. And it all reminds us that we're all the beloved because God birthed us in love as well. Also really appreciate just how um, open um, both Terry and his wife, um, Rebecca, are about their faith and the trust that they have in the Lord and how they relied on the Lord to carry them through dark seasons of their marriage, um, and then um, acknowledging that um, the Word of God, taking hold of the Scriptures and allowing God to take hold of them and acknowledging that, you know, He didn't want this anymore. Um, like, I, I just, there's so much that's good in uh, in these conversations that these two Christians are very publicly having on this topic. So if you guys want the link for this and actually all of the things we've talked about today um, on the program, you can get the show notes when you um, access the podcast at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast, you will be able to um, access the show notes for today. And the show notes have the links to all the articles we discuss. Um, all right, Peter, we don't have time to talk about the church that converted its basement into a soccer field, but I loved that. Um, and then we're going to come back around. You and I are going to have to come back around to the doppelganger conversation because apparently every single one of us has them. 
Like oh. everybody has a doppelganger, and it's personally a person who with whom we share some DNA <laughs> out there. So there you go. <laughs> when, if you when, think you see me today in um, on the campus, um, it's not really me. It's my doppelganger. <laughs> One I'm clap. going to blame things on her. Yeah, and you, and you she should. better look out. You should, Carmen. Yeah. yeah, no. One quick comment on that. I can't tell you how many times that people have said, "I know you from somewhere," and I think <laughs> I've just become so insecure that I'm just generic man. I just look like I don't know a thousand <laughs> other people. There's nothing distinct and unique about me, so I have a lot of doppelgangers out it's there. It's that your it's that your hairdo has become so popular. I that's guess that's really what it is. I was on. a trendsetter. Mm-hmm. Thank you very that's much. Exactly Indeed. right. <laughs> All right, hey, we're gonna um, we're gonna uh, break our conversation here with Dr. Peter Kapser and send him off to class, and we're going to join John Stone Street for Breakpoint. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Hey, if I ask you right now, where do you live? How would you answer that question? Where do you live? Okay, so you're probably going to name a town, a city, a location, a country, a zip code. Where do you live? Or maybe you'll say, I live at home or I um, I live at college. I mean, depending. You're, you, normally, people answer that question with a location, like a geographic location, geolocating. Where do you live? I want you to think differently about the question here for just a moment. Where do you live? Do you live in the present, in the present moment, in the here and now? Or are you really living somewhere in the past? Or are you trying to live somewhere in the future? Yeah, where do you live? We're going to talk with Jeannie Stevens. Um, Her book is What's Here Now? And we're going to talk about starting to really live in the present moment. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is a new day. Everything bursting with hope. Coming alive. This moment, moment. Jeannie Stevens lives in Chicago, but she also lives in the present. And that's what she's here to talk with us about today. Her new book, What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present. Jeannie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Carmen. So I um, I asked folks just a minute ago to consider the question, where do you live? Um, and many of us would answer that question first with geography. Um, but you are really pressing us to into the question of, do I live in the present or am I really living, if I'm honest with myself, somewhere in the past or somewhere in the future? Talk with us about um, really the top line of this conversation and that is the value and the necessity of living in the present moment. That's right. You know, most of us, uh, if we get the average lifespan, uh, it's about 80 years, which is 959 months, about 4,171 weeks, 29,200 days, a whole lot of hours and minutes. And if that's the average lifespan of a person, give or take, 
so many of us, we're not actually living in our now moments. We're either rehashing the past, uh, and when we rehash the past, we're trying to change something that's already happened, or we're rehearsing the future, trying to control something that we actually don't have any control over. And we struggle with the here and the now. We've even come up with, uh, you know, ideas called FOMO, which is the fear of missing out. <laughs> and it's the belief that there's a there that is better than your here. And yet the present is all we ever truly have to experience God in the here and the now. While God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the only place where we can actually experience the presence of God is in the present. And yet so many of us struggle to be here. I like to tell people that if it's not happening now, it's not happening. But so many of us are living in our not happenings. We're in our minds somewhere else. Like I just said, rehashing or rehearsing. And I really believe that God wants to help us learn how to receive the present. You know, especially over the last few years, I think there isn't a person on the planet that isn't looking for more peace in their life. Mm -hmm. And the place where we experience peace is in the present. You can't, you can't go back to your past and experience peace and you can't go out into your future and experience peace. The only place where we can do that is in the here and the now. And, and yet so many of us, we don't know how to live in the present. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wrote this book. So I want to talk about the, about the how in just a minute, but I want to touch on two things that you, um, that you just brought up. One is receiving the present as a present. And, and that's going to lead us into a conversation about gratitude. So let's start there. And then I want to have the conversation about peace because we really all do desperately want peace. So talk with us about receiving the present as a present. How does gratitude <laughs> shift, shift our perspective? Yeah, it's a, it's a little play on words there, right? Uh, receiving the present as a gift, as a present. And uh, as I just mentioned, so many of us, we're spending our lives either rehashing or rehearsing. And when we pause to receive the gift of the present moment, we can actually be in the here and the now. And as you just mentioned, we can root ourselves in the practice of gratitude, which is a way of living with appreciation and thankfulness for what is. You know, so many of us, we're thinking about what was or we're thinking about the what ifs, and we forget that there is so much in this now moment that God has given to us in the what is where we can experience gratitude. I think many of us think that if our, our circumstances were different, we would experience gratitude, but peaceful circumstances don't create gratitude. Gratitude is what creates peaceful circumstances. And I'm just so convinced that gratitude is what makes us well, you think about the story in, in Luke 17, where Jesus heals the lepers and only one of them comes back to say thank you. And Jesus looks to him and he says, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Your gratitude, your gratitude in coming back to me, saying thank you has made you well. You know, so many of us, we can, we can get healed, but we can't be well. We can have resources, but not be well. We can have people around us and, and not be well. You can gain the whole world, but lose your soul and not be well. And gratitude, the practice of gratitude in the present moment is actually what gives us peace. And it's what gives us 
perspective. Uh, and and granite, gratitude is really, I would say, one of the greatest antidotes to anxiety. Yeah. So this um, peaceful circumstances don't create gratitude. Gratitude creates uh Peaceful circumstances. Peaceful circumstances. I would, yeah. I would say, I would say there um, that for me, in my experience, gratitude in the present moment, like acknowledging what is, not not no, not what was or what if, but what is, mm-hmm. and um, recognizing the presence of God in the midst of the moment, like that is when Paul talks about the secret of being content in every circumstance. Yeah. It's not that yeah. Paul's circumstances changed um, yeah. or got better. Um, but Paul, in the midst of whatever the circumstance was, he he was grateful to God. That's right. And in that, right. right, it produced a joy that was unassailable um, and led him to be a person of peace in the midst of a culture at war, a people at war. Um, it, it just, yeah, it is a matter of perspective. Absolutely. I think that's so helpful. Um, talk yeah. to us about peace. Yeah. Because... Mm-hmm. Can we talk about peace? Because you address that um, over and over again. And um, I think that everybody wants peace, right? But I I don't know that people know how to get it because they don't get that it's something we receive. Yeah, that's right. You know, in the Psalms, God is described as our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And I think that what is so powerful to me about that passage and about the truth of God's character is that he is ever present. It's the most present you can be ever present, right? And when we allow ourselves to get present to God's presence, there isn't anything but peace. The the very character of God, if we allow ourselves to fully be in God's presence, we experience peace. And, you know, I think that so many of us think that uh, the presence of God is something that we have to attain or we have to get into. But what's actually true is that the presence of God is always available. What's absent is our awareness, our Mm. awareness of God's presence. And when we can become aware, God is here. God is for me. God is with me, even in this circumstance that I may not have written into my story, even in this situation where I'm experiencing so much pain or loss, I can lean into the presence of God, which is where the peace of God dwells. You know, Mother Teresa once said that if we have no peace, it's because we have forgotten that we belong to God and to one another. And I think that oftentimes we forget that we we have this quality of peace that is ever present to us. It's ever available to us, but we have forgotten we belong to God. And, and in doing the belonging work of, of realizing who we belong to, we, we can then see ourselves and see one another through eyes of peace. I think so much of our division and our lack of unity uh, is is our forgetting that we are all children of God and we forget to look at one another through those lenses. Mm. That's so good. That's so good. Um, we are talking with Jeannie Stevens. We're talking about her brand new book, What's Here Now? How to Stop Rehashing the Past and Rehearsing the Future and Start Receiving the Present. 
Um, Jeannie, we have a listener who has who has texted in. Um, I'm going to describe this as um, as maybe feeling feeling stuck and using um, rehearsed conversations or rehearsing positive conversations because of consistently experiencing hurtful and destructive uh, realities in the present. I think part mm-hmm. of the challenge um, there, right, is sometimes we got to change where like where we are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the the past and the future, um, you know, in, in the book I write about when we're rehashing the past, usually things like blame, shame, grief, bitterness and guilt will show up. Those are telltale mm. signs that we're not we're not living in the present. And like the caller that just, you know, texted in, um, you know, sometimes when we can retrace in our minds things said or things done and we're still rehashing them it's a sign that perhaps maybe we need to shift something about our present we need to shift um, maybe some of the relationships in our present um, some of the boundaries in our present because our minds are taking us back to to things like blame shame grief bitterness and guilt. And the same is true about the future, Carmen. Uh, When we're rehearsing the future, we're experiencing things like worry. I like to say that worry is living in a not yet that's worse than your now. (laughs) It hasn't happened yet, um, but in your mind, it's worse than what you're experiencing now. And worry is um, just a a challenge that so many of us uh, struggle with. So there's worry, there's denial. Uh, denial is a defense mechanism to delay pain or avoid transformation, pretending, uh, kind of camouflaging who you really are um, and not letting yourself be seen. Uh, obligation control. These are all ways that we either rehash or rehearse. And they're telltale signs that perhaps there's something in our present that we haven't been willing to face. And, and I like to tell people that you cannot change what you cannot face. We have to be able to look at what isn't working in the here and the now so that we can change the here and the now. Mm, that's so good. Um, Jeannie, let's uh, continue our conversation here in just a moment. Um, thanks for all the engagement on the text line. You guys can text in as well, 877-933-2484. We're going to continue our conversation about you know, living in the present. What's here now is the book. Our conversation with Jeannie Stevens continues here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a Faith Radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus, well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a Faith Radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. We don't want to miss what uh, the Lord has for us in this present moment, starting with his very presence in the moment. We're talking with Jeannie Stevens about her book, What's Here Now? 
how to stop rehashing the past and rehearsing the future and start receiving the present. Um, Jeannie, um, talk with the person right now who is tired of pretending. Help us live authentically um, in, a, in a world that's really just all about the image we put forth. Yeah, I, gosh, I have so much uh, care and compassion for that person because I was that person and still struggle to be that person. And I think that the the tension to pretend really comes from a, a works way of living the gospel um, and, and really believing that the way that we receive acceptance is first through achievement, feeling some significance from that achievement, wanting to sustain that strength and that feeling of that achievement, and that that will give us acceptance. But the cycle of grace, the the movement of grace, the gospel of grace really starts from a place of acceptance. And that's where we get sustaining strength, significance, and then experience actual joy um, and, and achievement and purpose. Uh, and the single most important thing we can do in that process is to surrender what's happening in the present moment um, and, and allow ourselves to be seen by a safe circle of people. Um, we're, we're meant to live in community with one another. Um, I think so many of us have believed that isolation is the better route to go. But I would say that um, connection and vulnerability is what truly brings us courage um, and it allows us to be seen in relationship. Um, and so I invite people to really pay attention to the places where they've been hiding. When you think about uh, what first happened in the Garden of Eden uh, when Adam and Eve, you know, took that Granny Smith apple off the tree. Uh, one of the, the first things that they did was they went and they hid from God. And this is this is a part of human nature. Um, and not not only did they hide, not only did they pretend, they, they gathered up some fig leaves and they sewed them together and covered themselves up. And and it's because for the first time ever, people felt shame. Um, and, and God never intended for us to live with either shame or pretending. Uh, God intended for us to be in a beautiful connection and relationship with with the Trinity, with ourselves, and with one another. Talk with us um, about the challenge of of what you just described, right? Which is, I mean, I, I want to be seen, like I want to be known, which means what's going to require that I be vulnerable, which is going to require that I trust someone enough to hurt me. Um, because there, you know, there are people in circumstances and situations where, like, they already know. If they are vulnerable, they're going to be hurt because of the yeah. of the people they're surrounded by. So I think part of the challenge is um, for some of us. And how do I how do I live into what you're talking about if I'm not in a safe relationship and, you know, it's a person I'm bound to in marriage? Um, mm -hmm. Like, right. So just. Just, you know, talk with us about that for just a moment, because I do think that um, folks who are living in that kind of reality have a hard time embracing what we're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really do stress that vulnerability is only um, healthy and brings wholeness 
when it's done with a safe person. Uh, we have to be able to do that with a safe person. Um, somebody that is going to hold sacred space for what we're walking through and they're going to, um, you know, be with us in it. They're not going to necessarily, um, you know, become our counselor or become our, um, you know, person that tells us what to do, but they're just going to be a, a healthy, sacred friend um, that, that walks with us. And I would say that if we cannot find someone like that, if perhaps the circumstances that we're walking through, we just don't have someone like that. I do think a trusted counselor, a spiritual director, um, doing some some group therapy work, um, all of those have been critical in my healing journey and in my story. And I would say that um, to, to lean into that. But, you know, Brene Brown says that if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and with understanding, shame can't survive. And mm. um, shame, you know, the, the antidote to shame is oxygen. And yet so many of us, uh, we try to keep shame buried in the dark. We try to keep shame silent. And the second you allow shame to to actually get shared and spoken, given the light of day um, with some fresh oxygen, um, that's the thing that shame is most worried about. Um, mm. And I like to tell people that, you know, the danger of isolation is greater than the risk of intimacy. Um, and so many of us are afraid of that risk of intimacy. We're so afraid of that risk of really letting somebody see us or, or sharing the parts of our, our lives or our stories that we feel so much shame over. But I would say that the, the danger of isolation is a much greater risk than mm. that of intimacy. It's such a lovely um, invitation and recognition and change of perspective. And you have a wonderful turn of phrase. Um, you share a lot of personal stories um, in here. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your vulnerability and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I hope you guys will um, will introduce yourself to Jeannie Stevens. Her book is What's Here Now. You can visit with her directly online at JeannieStevens.com or on Facebook, where she is also at Jeannie Stevens, Jeannie, um, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for the gift of the book. Uh, thank you so much, Carmen. I really appreciate being on. Well, likewise. Um, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. We're going to spend a minute together in just a moment. We'll be right back. The people listening to your show regularly, they get such a wonderfully informed perspective on the headlines and what God's doing in the world. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there that we all know who don't. And I don't think, Carmen, many people understand just how shaped they are by certain sources that are trying to shape them a certain way. What shapes our thinking um, is in large measure what we listen to, what we pay attention to, what we give. Um, yeah, what we give the time of day. So what are you going to give the time of day to today? I mean, thank you for the sweet and precious gift of the time we've shared together. Um, I do regard it as a privilege and as a gift and a, and a sacred trust. Um, uh, appreciate Linda who texted in uh, her concern. Hey, I, I, you know, I didn't I didn't like that statement about Adam and Eve eating an apple, let alone a Granny Smith. Yeah, my ears were peaked to that as well. Um, we don't know from Scripture what the fruit was, um, and we certainly don't know uh 
uh, you know, we, it, it certainly wasn't a Granny Smith apple, right? There was, you know, right. So anyway, um, I appreciate the sensitivity that you have to us um, handling the word accurately and carefully. And so let's be people of the word today. Let's walk our faith out into the world that God so loves. Let's do so in ways that honor Jesus. Um, thank you for the way that we get to do this together. And I need you to um, help us continue to do this together. So uh, love it if you've got time and um, want to call and share your faith radio story so that during our fall fundraiser, we can share your story with others as an encouragement to them to give because this is listener-supported radio and listener-supported podcasting and listener-supported digital media at MyFaithRadio.com. So call 877-933-2484, push the number 2, and leave us uh, a recording of your faith radio story so that we can use it as an encouragement to others. Thank you so much for the blessing of this shared time today. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.